Um, good morning. Welcome to Denton North Church. Um, we are very, very glad that you are here, continuing to meet with us outside. Next week might be a little rainy, so we might have to meet inside. We'll see. Forecast in Texas um, isn't always very, uh, very accurate, so who knows? We'll see. We're going to be flexible and uh, do what we need to do. So a couple announcements. We have our senior mixer tonight, I think at 6. It is going to be online. The Zoom link is will be posted on Facebook. This is for anybody who's graduating college senior this year or uh, next. So like next, you know, uh, May or this December. Welcome you. And the point is just so that you can meet different people in our church, uh, hear about resources uh, that you have. Uh, to graduate well and transfer well. And uh, yeah, so join us, hang out with us. If you want to know the link beforehand, you can kind of get someone's phone number or something like that so that you can have that. So the agenda, I think, is just sort of a mingle, um, a few little kind of sharing times about adulthood and uh, growing up and some of the challenges. But as a church, as you know, for those of you who've been around here, that's really kind of our uh, main sort of charter goal when we first started off was helping people grand, uh, transition well out of uh, graduation. And I've got a lot of success stories about that. Many of you are still in the throes of that very difficult period of time, um, but uh, are successfully making your way. So anyway, that's going to be tonight, our senior mixer. And then um, as a just a reminder of how we are doing worship, Remember, we have the prompt for you to consider, to think through something that's meaningful to you, um, particularly for how you see God, uh, what might God be telling you or the church. What does this tell you about the heart of God and then how would you respond? So we'll take some time uh, this morning to let you share that if you want. Probably just one person. I've got already one going to share and then you would like to share after that person. That's great. Okay, so that we don't use too many mics. Well, let's get going. I don't have much today. Uh, I've been harping on this exact same sermon for a long time, so many of you have heard it. Also, I have a lot of places you can uh, hear more comprehensive treatment on this subject of community in the city. Um, so, I have a few ideas. I'm sorry I did not spend a lot of time thinking about this this week, and this time it's true, and sometimes I just joke about that, um, but I thought I had COVID, you know, possibly. Uh, that's why I had to get results. My wife and I on Tuesday, we found out we were negative Thursday. I guess that's what happens when you go preach at Garland Northeast. They try to give you COVID. Um, so Leslie is there this morning preaching. So we'll have to really check her um, coming back. So yeah, anyway, good week. Um, well, beginning started off not so great. Uh, and then at the end of the week, good. Informing you about my life in general. Anyway. So community in the city. All right, it's a beautiful day today, right? Feels good. It's awesome. I know we've moved the time forward a little bit, so it's not so cold and chilly. Let me ask you a question to consider. Is it a beautiful day today just because it's beautiful? Is that why it's beautiful to you? <laughs> Is this day beautiful because it's a beautiful day, just in and of itself? It's beautiful. It's nice. That it doesn't really need to be any explanation. Or is it beautiful because it's a day that God made that reflects his beauty? That seems a little bit like a Jesus juke, you know? Um, but one of the things that's important to differentiate in what's going on in our cities and in our nation 
is really kind of two competing ideas for reality, two competing worldviews, worldviews that go really all the way back to the Greek and Roman Empire, but even really kind of before that. And the two worldviews are simply stated, the world is sort of good enough in and of itself without a transcendent creator to have created it. God is imminent, meaning he's all around us in, in everything. And that God is enough versus a transcendent God that the world is simply a small, dim reflection of how good he really is and how good the earth really will be in the new kingdom and new earth. I talked last week at Garland about bodies and about our resurrected bodies. If you're interested in that topic, certainly listen to it. But the whole idea of a resurrection wouldn't be possible to those who think about the world uh, as being good in and of itself. Just good. God is imminent. He's in everything. We don't need anything more than that. Just it. That's it. That's it. And we see from the beauty of the world, even in Paul talking in Romans, that it is sort of enough to at least understand uh, that there's something good about the world. There's something beyond just us. And for an imminent view of God, the, the, the uh, beyond just us is the world itself, the creation of things, however that came to be. There's still meaning in the world. Things are important, but the world is all we ultimately get. All right? Now, there's a sort of a separate crew of people uh, who are considered positive secularists who believe there's no meaning in the world, but nobody really cares about them. Those are high-minded, elitist academics that most people don't spend their time around. Uh, most of us are in one of those two camps, all right? Sort of a pagan secularist which believes the world is, the word for it is imminent, it's beautiful in and of itself, there's nothing needed on top of that, or transcendent, which just means that we believe that the world is simply a glimpse of how good uh, God's uh, sort of new earth and new world really will be. Now, if you just think about that really basic, simple idea, that separates the whole of our society of whether you truly believe that there's something beyond. And I'm not just talking about a fanciful idea of maybe a spirit world, maybe something, maybe not, but whether you live as if the world communicates to you about there being a God or the world itself makes up your God and the meaning and supernatural comes from that created reality. All right? So just hold that in the back of your mind because it's really important for us to talk uh, or to at least have a sense of that before we talk about the difference between the community of God, which we've been talking about, and the city itself. Question. The recap is simply there's two major worldviews at play in our society now, and really kind of always, or has been at least as long as we've charted Western society, and that's that you either believe that, that God is sort of in the world, and the world is all there is, and that, that means that the world is still beautiful, brilliant, supernatural, or that the world is simply a glimpse of God who created the world and there's something beyond. It's called the transcendent viewpoint. It seems very simple to many of us um, because we're Christians and we think we automatically hold that transcendent viewpoint. Well, like most things, we may hold it in our brain, but that doesn't mean you live as if it's true. For most of us, that question should serve as at least an illustration of this. Most of us, when we think about the beauty of the day, our first thought is the world is a beautiful place. Well, that's great. But do we really think, well, this is actually just a glimpse 
of who God is and his beauty. No, it takes time for us to get there and really think through that. In my mind, it's much easier to believe that the world is a beautiful place, a good place, as bad, as good, but it is what it is at the end of the day. That's all there is, all right? So for us to understand what the relationship between the community of God and the city or nations or world or however you want to portray that, we've got to understand those two viewpoints because they will always be at odds with each other. Always. Okay, they're always going to be at odds. The city by nature generally and the world by nature generally doesn't see beyond itself. Most people don't either. And so for it, the community of God to interact with the city around us, we've got to keep those two uh, things in the back of our heads. I don't want to talk much about politics, um, but it is a little bit tough to talk about um, the city and not talk at least a little bit about politics. I'll say that if you're interested in this, uh, there's a number of books written, and a lot of you guys have heard me talk about this before, um, but of different cultural approaches to the world around you. And those cultural approaches often take on the form of either a sort of uh, taking yourself out of society completely, as if society is the source of sin, not our own hearts, or just completely going all in and becoming, uh, you know, very similar looking to the society around us, right? The idea of in the world and not of the world is the tension that we're supposed to have here. I talked about this, remember, two weeks ago when I talked about the community of God is not a civic organization, not a committee, a club, neither it is a cult or a clan. There's this happy medium that differs from what kind of organizations we see in the world, the organizations that are all immersive and groupthink or sort of shallow and let's just get something done. The community of God is wholly different from those things. And so as we talk today, hopefully you've got that kind of in the back of your mind. There's a lot of ways that Christians approach culture. And that has a lot to do with how they think of themselves as a community and their purpose as a community. Okay, It's not just they decided one day, let's approach culture this way. They decided that way based on their understanding of who they are. Okay, So, um, yeah, there have been a lot of churches uh, that have done all kinds of things. You know, probably one of the more famous uh, modes of thought around here comes from the Reformed Church, uh, which you know, more or less says, let's convert our cities. Well, that's an interesting idea because the more and more you enmesh uh, the state and the church, the more trouble uh, usually happens as a result, right? So Christians should be a little bit more properly in tension with their society. You know, it was really troubling to me that evangelicals bent over backwards for Trump like chumps. <laughs> um, but then again, uh, we ought not now do any more bending over for Biden like chumps. I don't think our society is any more opposed to Christianity than it is for it, not at least at the basis of what we're talking about. And that the idea that society is just naturally opposed to it, we fail to see that very many of the people who live in our society are still Christians, right? It's kind of weird for them to be opposed to themselves, although we do have a lot of self-contradictions, right? So uh, that doesn't mean that liberals are off the hook. When it comes to, uh, yeah, we can make fun of, of evangelicals bending over backwards for Trump. I believe that evangelicals should have been a lot more split on their decisions. But unfortunately, politics in the nation uh, is a little bit, they're a little bit too closely aligned in our society. But again, this is no different in my mind than liberals, uh, many of which who have kind of aligned with the political party to see 
the world becoming a better place. The only possible way they can see the world becoming a better place is if they get their person into office. It's a little bit like emperor worship in, uh, in, in Roman and Greek society. A little bit like expecting that if we can only get our political party in office, now uh, we're going to, uh, to get it to work. I've heard this state, stated, I think, a lot from liberals, their understanding of church and state. We ought not vote our faith. We ought to just sort of vote what's best for our society. I'm sorry, guys, it's separation of church and state, not ignoring church. It's not not representing church and state. <laughs> They're separated. It doesn't mean in your voting you, stop, you cease to become a Christian. So now that you're equally all offended, uh, let's talk about the two questions, real basic questions that I have. So how do ro our roles in society coincide to the roles that we have in a community of God? Well, first of all, you've got to decide if you're in a community or not. You can't be in Christ and not be in a community. A lot of churches, attempts at community are nothing more than human attempts to just organize and gather people. Uh, again, around things we've talked about, clubs, committees, or they're forcing people to have one ideology. But the community of God is something the Spirit does and only the Spirit can do. And it's not maintained by us. It's maintained by Him. And it's not built by us. It's built by Him. Now, we do some adding, like we talked about, I think, a week ago on Zoom, in terms of adding that foundation of Christ. But we've got to be very careful with how we build. So that's first, deciding if you're actually in a community. I would say the vast majority of Christians in our society are not part of a community of faith. Part of a church, part of some organizations that are quasi-Christian, they're not really part of a community of God. You can't do in Christ without being a part of a community. So, how do our roles in society coincide to our roles in community? That's a pretty simple. We'll start with our, our role in the community, which is comes directly from our call from God, which is to simply to care for other people. The, all the one another commands, <laughs> take care of our neighbors. It's pretty simple. Problem is, most of us, we operate a little bit backwards than that. We take our role in society, whether that's I'm a welder or I'm a teacher or I'm a civic leader, and then kind of live that out and then come in the community and sort of live that out, and they're bifurcated. They don't work. They're not together. They're sort of separate lives. We've compartmentalized our role in the city and our role in the community. And yet, as Christians, we've been given a charge to take the role that we have in the community, the call that we have in God, and to live that out in every place that we're in, in our job, in our neighborhood, whatever that is, that's where we're supposed to do it. Uh, but we get into trouble when that's vice versa, when our roles either in the community inform how we act with other people. I do this all the time. I've mentioned this to you guys multiple times, but as a welder, I feel very entitled to be mean to people. Where did I get this idea? that a blue collar worker is just mean and tough and rough. Uh, the guy that works for me, Josh, who's here, is not that way at all. I mean, he's tough, don't get me wrong, but he's actually a nice guy. Uh, so he constantly challenges my uh, not being nice um, for other people. But I got this idea that if I can, I'm that way, I can be rough with people. I can be, you know, whatever, mean. I'm not taking my role in the community and passing that. I'm taking my role as this position and then compartmentalizing my faith and my role in the community. It's not how we're meant to live. The call that we got from God is the call that we have in every aspect of our life. And this type of living is a lot more consistent and fruitful and joyful than the kind of living that most of us 
I think on our best days are a part of, which is very compartmentalized roles. We have all these roles and we act based on what those roles are. But we've been given a role in the community of God. It's our call. It's the one another passages. It's the Samaritan stuff. We ultimately take care of each other. I studied with a girl that worked for me um, probably 15 years ago, and she kept getting stuck on the passages that seem to talk about how you're supposed to love, especially the believers. There's like two of them, but she could not handle this idea. Having not grown up in church, the thought that Christians ought to treat each other better seemed very favoritism, uh, you know, it seems like a, a form of favoritism. But if you go back and read those passages, I'll give you the references so you can read them. First uh, Peter 2, 11 to 17, and then First Timothy. I don't even have the passage reference there, so who knows where that is. But Timothy's not that big. You can find it. What Paul's actually saying is that your relationships are going to be much closer in the community, and you ought to be careful that you treat everybody in the world, apart from the community or not, with respect and love. In fact, those titles are literally doing good to all people. Okay, And it's talking about our various roles and relationships in uh, our city and our church and in society, right? So when it talks about especially those uh, related to the house of God, they're not talking about we should treat each other better. He's just simply making a statement that we will be able to have much closer and much more love-filled relationships because we allow that with each other and that those relationships should be the model for how we model all of our relationships. So there's a real challenge for you. Are your closest relationships in the community of God? Now, that doesn't just mean in our church. It certainly means in the larger community. Or are your closest relationships those outside of the community of God? Now, just because they're Christian doesn't mean they're part of community. I already sort of made that clear. Just because you've got good Christian friends that you're around doesn't mean that your friends are part of any kind of community. This is why in dating uh, we often try to get people to actually be around the community so we can you know, have some sense of who they are and how they interact. It's when couples go off and have no real connection or tie to the community when they do a lot of danger because they make for themselves their own community, a community without accountability, without any checks and balances, without anybody knowing who they are. And that leads to potential devastating results in terms of marriage down the road. But do we have good friends people we rely and trust who are in the community of God, are part of the community of God, all right? That's really super important. Got to have those. Um, but we're still supposed to treat everybody well, whether they're in our community or not. It's just That's just a simple thing. And in fact, if you go back and read 1 Corinthians 5, Paul actually says, you ought to be a little bit rougher on those within the community of God. And by rougher, I don't mean mean, not like it is what we are with our family sometimes where we're disrespectful and rude, which is also why he talks about loving, especially the believers. But we're gonna be a little bit more honest because we know that they abide by a set of values and commitments that we've all sort of figured out and agreed to together. And so Paul talks about who am I to judge those outside the body? But absolutely judge those inside. Let God take care of the judgments for those outside the church. And you've heard me say this many times. It's when we judge those outside the church, we're often drawing attention away from something that we're not doing right and pointing out something that someone else is doing wrong so we can feel good about ourselves. It's the exact opposite of how the community is supposed to bless the nations. We're to bless the nations. Can't do that when we're constantly judging 
the people around us. I think the second aspect of this role in society thing is that we ought to see ourselves as collaborators all the time. Collaborators, particularly collaborators with other churches and other people of faith. Okay? Thankfully, denominationalism is going down the toilet. People are less and less concerned about whether they're in the Baptist church or in the church of Christ. That's actually a really good thing because those, those divisions have often hurt our image in our society to Christians and around the world. So the fact that churches are now not being so denominational is a good thing. Now that's if they're truly, I think, not doing that, not just doing it because it's in vogue. Um, but I'll have you know, if you don't know our church very well, we have a lot of denominations represented here. We're Catholic and Protestant, a lot within Protestantism. And, and so sometimes you would call that a non-denominational church. I prefer interdenominational because non-denominational is too cool a word to use. Interdenominational is just like, what, what is that? What are you doing? Um, so that, yeah, gets people to think, ask questions. Yeah. Oh, the first point. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It is really fully structured. How do roles in society coincide to roles in community? Oh, the other point, well, that wasn't really a point. It was sort of like a sub point. Yeah, uh, you know, we start with our role in the church. That's how we, we think about our roles. Our roles in community in, our, in the city ought to come from our role within the church, our call that we've been given by God. Not by the various roles or things that we've been uh, given outside of that. All right, so yes, we ought to be collaborators uh, with the community around us. And that starts again with the people of God. Who in your work have you started to collaborate with that you know are Christians and a part of a community? Who around you have begun to collaborate with to make sure that your workplace, your neighborhood, is a place where you're seeing the community bless the neighborhood, the city, those things. Guys, so many of us want to start super big. We want to be a part of an organization that's blessing the nation. Well, that's great, but in all honesty, come on. That's, that's really tough to know uh, what's going on. Let's start with just being a, play, a, a people that bless our workplace and our neighborhood. And it starts with collaborating with people. First, I think, with the people of God. Finding Christians who you will jointly collaborate with. Some of us, it's a little bit easier to do. Like the Metro Auto Ministry, it's pretty easy for me because I get a lot of Christian organizations uh, sending people our way. So I get a chance to work with a lot of Christian leaders. Um, but we got to find ways to collaborate with people uh, around us. We have to think of ourselves as being a part of a body. And when we go into an, an area or into a place, we're looking for the other important pieces of the body that God needs to be able to do what he is going to do. And so, you know, I'm not going to give that an example because I have terrible ideas in my head about that. But if we're collaborators, we go and seek other parts of the body so that God can use us, okay? Uh, and we've got to think like that. We're, we're, you really want to be a blessing to the city. We've got to collaborate with other people, all right? And certainly that means collaborating with people who are not a Christian, but I think uh, often the harder part for us is collaborating with people uh, who are being able to find that, being able to address it, being able to talk through some of those things. The second point is simply, what should our reputation be in the city? And I think this is the one that we're maybe more concerned with, um, interested in talking about. And so let me just spend a little bit of time on that. 
What should our reputation in the city be? We are worried a lot about our reputation. As Christians seem to be gaining, I don't know, less and less favor in our society, we're more and more concerned with our reputation. Let's talk about that. What should our reputation in the city be? Well, number one, it depends on the city, right? I mean, <laughs> uh, church might ought to look different in one city than it is another simply because it's trying to really challenge the people to live like uh, God would have them live. It's probably going to look different. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's going to depend certainly on the city. Guys, a good reputation isn't always respectable, and a respectable reputation isn't always good. The idea is simply just because people think of you as being a decent person doesn't mean they like what you're doing. Some of us want both respect and to be considered good, but the scripture doesn't seem to give us too many examples of that happening. When you embrace a worldview that's wholly different from the official structures around you, people might think of you as a decent person, but they're certainly not going to agree with you at a most fundamental level. And we've got to start to get okay with that and not hiding the things that we think and believe simply because we're afraid of our reputation. Some of us absolutely uh, need to do a little bit less reputation management and a little bit more honest conversation. Okay, Think about how much in Acts, which we were supposed to preach this community section from there, and I totally forgot about that, so I've used like nothing. But Acts, over and over again in this new church, they were excited that the people were seeing God and seeing God in really magnificent, uh, magnificent, magnificent, there we go, ways. But what is the thing that they prayed over and over again and said over and over again? Help us be a people that pleases you and isn't concerned about what everyone else around us thinks. Yeah. So uh, a good reputation isn't always respectable and vice versa. Some of us, I mean, we do more, I don't know how to phrase this exactly, but we do more to add guilt to our reputation than we need to be doing. Some of you take every Christian act and add it to your, the sense of your reputation and feel guilty for being a Christian. <laughs> what, what's wrong? Where did that come from? The sense of sort of deep guilt for being a Christian, as if every Christian's bad behavior is somehow on you. Some of you might not take enough guilt. Some of you might think Christians are a little bit, uh, you know, above the law. But I think for many of us, you know, we see something like went on with the Denton Bible, um, you know, um, I don't know, youth pastor or whatever, getting into trouble for uh, underage sex stuff. And then we immediately get on Facebook and it's like Christians are either, you know, you didn't do it or I'm so sorry on behalf of all Christians everywhere. <laughs> what does that mean? Why are you doing that? You're now a spokesperson. Is this like more common in Protestant churches? I mean, I know that we've had some issues with the Catholic church, sure, but are you the spokesperson for all Christians? We need to add unnecessary guilt uh, to our reputation. We need to be honest about who we are. A lot in scripture talks about being ashamed of God and who he is. Um, I think that applies the same to being ashamed of the community of God. Now, I've Ashamed of churches, little C church, sure, fine, yeah, we get that, makes sense. We should call wrong, wrong, absolutely, no doubt. But we need to be very careful about, uh, I think, in my mind, uh, about not adding guilt to our reputation, not being afraid uh, to admit we're a part of the community of God. 
And for many of this is tough. It is very tough because those two poles of the earth is everything. And, you know, uh, God created the earth are getting more and more separate as time goes on. And that's the exact same thing that, as I mentioned, was happening in the Roman Empire until uh, sort of the kind of conflict we see during Jesus's time. All right. So what should our reputation in this city be? Guys, it's pretty simple. Just go back and look at the passages about what it means to be worldly and what it means not to be worldly. And then just that's what our reputation should be. <laughs> Titus 2, 1 Peter 2-3 through 3 is probably a really great resource. It's talked a lot, of, a lot in John and 1 Corinthians and Acts. Okay, quarreling, jealousy, all of these things that we see around us all the time. Those are things that aren't a part of what it means to be a Christian community. And if we have the reputation particularly for being quarrelsome, uh, there's just a lot spoken about that. And in our day and age, we need to do a whole lot better a job of being able to really dialogue and engage with people we do not agree with and do not understand their point of view and stop pretending as if the community of God is a place where people all should be like-minded and believe all the same stuff. There takes a real spiritual maturity to be able to not demonize someone for believing something you don't believe. Because when you have the force of religion behind you, you have in your hands a very powerful tool. I can't believe you're doing what you're doing. I can't believe you're voting for who you're voting for. Uh, and we play God in those, those opportunities. But guys, our reputation should ought to always be for doing good to others. In my mind, I've redefined good now. I'm, I got to have like a specific def definition for some of these words. To me, right now, good and sort of my daily, weekly thinking is not giving someone something they deserve. Okay, that's to me, that's good today. That's just what I'm thinking. To stop giving people what they deserve. Now, some people need a little bit of taste of what they deserve. Okay, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes for, for them, it's not good to just not give them what they deserve. But for me, I'm very quick to give people what I think they deserve. Uh, and that's not good because God's not that way. He's very patient and merciful with us, constantly not giving to us what we deserve. So our reputation should be that we're good to people. The scripture talks a lot about that. You know, as aliens and strangers in the world live such good lives that even though people slander you, malign you, disrespect you, that on the day that God comes back, they can glorify him for who he is and what, he, uh, what he's done. We live good lives. However you define good, obviously we define good as Jesus but that should be our reputation. Not just that we've done this thing for the city or that thing for the city or we're the church that does this. I mean, those things that are, that are specific tasks that God has given us, that's great. And if he gives us one as a church, we'll do it. But let's focus each of us on doing good and having a reputation for doing good for the people around us. I think that's where we, uh, where we all start. Okay. So any questions on that? And then uh, before we move on. Like I know I'm kind of all over the place, but uh, yeah, I try my best in the time that we had. <laughs> Questions before we, uh, we move on? You can probably just say it from your spot because it's, uh, yeah, you to use a mask though when you yell. That's good. Questions? No? We're good? I bored you to tears so that uh, you don't even have any questions. That's good. Usually I know. Yes. Yeah. 
So the question is, it, when you are in a circle of people who, you know, you're the only Christian person that they sort of know or interact with, uh, how do you not be a spokesperson for Christianity? Well, in that case, you are kind of a spokesperson for Christianity in terms of how you talk about it. But I, in the case of Denton Bible, you know, for me, the conversations that I had were just really specific. And that was, you know, after having worked in a church, one of the things that I think is really uh, unfortunate about some church oversight is that it's far too um, lackadaisical in its accountability for its ministers. Ministers don't have a great oversight for what they're doing. Um, and really, honestly, that's a problem with nonprofits, too. It's just lack of real clear oversight and accountability. So to me, being able to talk specifically about things uh, is much more helpful um, than just this, this sort of idea that I'm constantly embarrassed about my Christianity, which is how some people sort of present it. It's, again, those two poles of I'm so sorry. You know, we're not like that. We're not like that guy. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, if you, you are kind of like that guy. Like, you just look through the post, you, you know. <laughs> You're mean. What did I see? Oh, I can't pull up that. Sorry. Um, saw something wonderful on a truck yesterday, but can't do that. Even though Leslie's gone, I'm still going to do it. I'm going to be on my best behavior today. Uh, any other questions about that one? About reputation of the cities? Uh, with the city church? Okay, well, we can talk to me about that if you want. We're going to move on next week to uh, who are we? Uh, individual, um, rep, you know, kind of how we think about ourselves in, relate, uh, in relation to um, the scripture. And again, these are just basic ideas that we're going through, basic parts. And one of the ones is, uh, Leslie's going to talk about next week, is how do we think about our relationship with God? What does closeness with God look like? How should we define that? Um, what's too close? Is there a too close? <laughs> or at least in how we talk about God. Uh, so I'm looking forward to her talking about that. But right now, I've asked Catherine to come up and share um, on her uh, you know, response to the worship uh, activity. So she'll come up. She's one of the people on our worship team. Uh, and so she'll share. And then if someone else wants to come up, just go ahead and come up. If nobody comes up, then uh, Don will actually come up and, uh, and finish us up with a shepherd's prayer. Okay? Great? All right. I'm going to say a prayer. Uh, Lord, you love the city far more than we ever could. Forgive us for taking the issues of our day and pretending uh, that we have something more important to say, something more important to do than what you're already doing and what you're already saying. Help us to simply be your voice uh, to a world that's hurting and evil, um, to understand that this isn't the complete picture and that we would truly love the people around us. Or even as I say that, I feel so guilty and hypocritical for how unloving I am, uh, how mean I can be um, to the people outside uh, of this community and the people who know me. Give us just a deep and abiding love for the people we don't know. Help us to see the best in them, to imagine um, uh, just the best situations, the best of motives and intentions, uh, to really treat people uh, with patience and gentleness, uh, just like you treat us. Just to constantly do good so that others will glorify you. You're awesome, God. Amen. Um, hi, I'm Catherine. Um, yes, my worship thought. Um, this is not going to be very collected, by the way, because it's vague of a concept. But anyways, I'm in a geology class right now, and we're learning about the Earth uh, and how very, 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 very old it is. Billions, trillions, billions, I don't know, billions of years. Yeah, like four, four billion, something. Anyways, very old. Um, yes, and I think... 
like the amount of time that humans have lived on the earth is like a fingernail basically like it's just so tiny um yes and like essentially this was just stirring a lot of thoughts in me of like if we can see evidence of our god and creation and you're looking at how old the earth is god is older um but that he had a hand in the process of all of like the stages of the earth and so like he creates this world that no life can live on and then like over the course of billions of years creates plants and like diversity and um like life um that is rich and like all that i've experienced of it is literally 20 years and to me it's overwhelming and amazing um but that's just his like his life uh sorry yes um essentially kind of what it was making me think was like right now things feel overwhelming or um like this is like either the best that creation ever could be or the worst that creation ever could be and i take like right now in my life and experience and think that's the most extreme of reality but then if you really look at all of creation um in in all of its oldness and see that god is like slow to move but that he's not late like god is the most on time person that's ever been um like he doesn't show up to events late he does it perfectly on time and in his timing and that it ends in good every single time um and yes to think that like my age is an exception of that is uh foolishness i think actually so um that's kind of my thought but just that god is slow and that he's like like a deep thinker long-term perspective and that i can be humble like it's it's freeing and understanding like in relation to him i can trust he has a bigger idea of what's good and that i can participate in the little part i have and that that's good not a waste of my time or his so yes does that make sense am i good so good to see you guys zoom's great but you know can i see everybody even with masks it's all good it's all good uh so much to be thankful for. Just, you know, this last weekend I was in uh, Austin remembering my dad uh, with my family. And, you know, we were missing being here with you. But, uh, oh, thank you, dear. My wife helping me with, you got to keep it close. Thank you, dear. But, you know, just being there, but also realizing, you know, we missed being with you guys. So it's good to be here as well. Uh, I understand David is recovering well from his surgery. So let's just keep praying for him. Um, a lot of stuff going on with school and our world. So I'll just get right into it. Let's pray. God, just help us as a community to uh, really find ways to reach out and serve, to be available, even in a very uh, wild and crazy time that we're in right now. I pray for, uh, for healing in our nation, just for people to step back a bit and Look at what's going on. Uh, just thanks for the challenges Brad shared today for us to really look at things uh, in, a diff in a different way. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, just help us to find inside ourselves ways that we can be good and, and do good to others and to keep in mind the ways that we can be available for one another uh, in this time. Uh, we've got classes winding down. I pray for the final touches, the papers, the, the projects, the tests, uh, just continue to be with our students, uh, be with us that are in jobs and dealing with change, transition with, with the virus. Um, 
just help us to be flexible, but most, most importantly, help us to be a light uh, in the world and help us to be seen uh, as in a reflection of you more than anything else. Uh, just continue to be with us, uh, go with us this week, and just thank you for loving us, uh, warts and all, because we're not perfect, and we just thank you uh, that you're willing to work through us in light of all of that. We pray all this through Christ. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.